This morning our uh, scriptures from 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to read uh, verses 4 through 10, 1 Peter 2 verses 4 through 10. Let's pray together as we prepare to hear God's word. God, we thank you for your word that speaks to us. Thank you for your word that helps us understand who we are. We thank you for your word that reveals to us Jesus Christ, our identity in him, what it means for us to live for him. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts shape us and form us to be more and more like Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. 1 Peter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by others but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes others to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Around the world you can find houses made of all kinds of repurposed items, houses built out of some of the most unusual materials. This house in San Antonio, Texas, was made from an old shipping container. More than 25,000 recycled glass bottles were gathered to construct three buildings like this in Prince Edward Island. This Rotterdam townhouse looks new, but its bricks are made of 15 tons of waste and rubble, including ceramics and glass and clay. This house in New York is called the Aviator's Villa because its ultra-modern design is composed of disassembled aviation components. And this Washington house is Nothing but junk constructed for $500 from pieces of sheet metal, washing machine parts, dryer doors, even the door of a 1952 Oldsmobile. Human ingenuity has crafted some interesting houses using all kinds of materials. Where some see only junk or waste, others have the eyes to see something new. We have a new identity as God's people. We're the new people of God, Peter writes. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Literally, what Peter says is, once you were no people, you were nobody. In the first part of his letter, Peter described his audience as exiles scattered around. 
They were marginalized, isolated. The world ignored them. Uh, The people in these scattered churches floated around on society's fringes. It's possible that these newborn believers were facing rejection. Family and friends who want nothing to do with or have no understanding of Jesus rejected their family members for believing in Jesus. To most, these Christians were nobodies. They were easily overlooked people that no one really took the time to talk to. They felt useless in life. The original context for the words, no people become new people, is the prophecy of Hosea. Perhaps some of you know the story. The Lord called Hosea to marry Gomer, a promiscuous woman. It was a mirror of the Lord's relationship with Israel. Israel had been unfaithful to the covenant that the Lord had made with them. Israel was idolatrous, adulterous. And Hosea carries out God's calling. He marries Gomer, an adulterous wife, and has children with her. And the names the children are given speak of God's judgment against Israel, his own unfaithful wife. One of the children Gomer and Hosea had was called Lo Ami, which means not my people. And the reason God gives for this name is for you are not my people and I'm not your God. But the prophecy of Hosea doesn't leave us only with the story of judgment. God also speaks a word of restoration that God will be faithful in his mercy. And later in the prophecy of Hosea, God says, I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Hosea lived out in his marriage and family the adulterous departure of Israel from God. Israel had pursued idols. Only by God's mercy did Israel return and discover God's forgiveness. As one commentator notes, Peter alludes to this story so that the church will come to see its own former life and its present identity. We are entirely dependent on God's mercy and God's grace to restore us, to renew us. Once, we were no people. Perhaps some of us are feeling like that today. I mean, some of us right now are feeling a certain level of uselessness. Perhaps we've lost the job that brought meaning and purpose to our lives. We feel like nobodies, no people. Or maybe our lives are filled with aching sadness because our isolation only enhances the sense of disconnection we have from others. Today, we may not be able to visit our mother. So there's this sense of feeling cast off. Or maybe we're facing the truth that our family life isn't all we've tried to make it out to be. Sheltering in place has been more like a pressure cooker exposing our family flaws. It doesn't take much for us to realize we're a broken people in a broken world, that we've messed up, that humanity turned away from God, that we are a promiscuous gomer, and the damage that we've done as a human race destroys the world, destroys ourselves, destroys our relationships with each other, and even our relationship with God. Maybe we're a bit like the Beatles' Nowhere Man. Remember that song? He's a real nowhere man, sitting in his nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. Doesn't have a point of view, knows not where he's going to. Isn't he a bit 
like you and me. But then Peter's word breaks through. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once Jesus' followers were nobodies with nothing in common with each other, now Jews and Gentiles with differing points of view who didn't once see eye to eye are together. Physically distanced or not, we look around the globe and we see brothers and sisters in Christ from multiple lands and multiple nations. Once Jesus' followers were at the mercy of conquerors like Rome or the abusive religious practices of Jerusalem, but now we are gathered with people of every kind, uniquely named by God's mercy as God's new people. Once families and friends rejected Jesus' followers, like Hussein from Kuwait. He lived under the threat of execution because Islamic court found him guilty of apostasy. The court dissolved his marriage, redistributed his possessions, prevented him from seeing his children. And yet, Hussein felt deep in his heart he was chosen by God and precious to him. Peter writes to Jews and Gentiles who, though scattered and exiled, are joined together as God's new people. Brought together by God's mercy. Just like us. Nowhere people who've become the new people of God. Built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. We find our place in Jesus. He's the cornerstone of our lives. He's the one who holds all of life together. He's the one who became like us, despised and rejected, and yet God chose him. Peter writes, you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. I mean, here's the irony. God rejected us because of our adulterous sin. Humans rejected Jesus, even though Jesus was from God. But God used all of this rejection. Jesus was God's choice for bringing us back to God. And Peter wraps this all up in the word stone. First century Jews who knew the scriptures understood the word stone carried a double promise. Israel's hopes were that God would return to Jerusalem. They hoped that God would come back to life, to live forever in the temple. And they hoped that the temple would be rebuilt for this purpose, to be a place where God would dwell and be with them. And the tradition spoke of the temple being built on the rock, on the cornerstone. You just needed to find the right stone to build upon. Then you'd be on your way toward building the temple ready for God's return. Now the word stone in Hebrew is very close to the word sun. Stone is eben, sun is ben. And these two join up in this really famous biblical promise that God made to David. When your days are over, God said, and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. David's son would rebuild the temple, and David's son would actually be the son of God himself. 
The stone for building the temple would not be some inanimate object. This stone would be a living human being, the son of David, God's own son. On him, Israel's God would build something brand new. Now, Peter strings together three Old Testament stone references to point us to the truth that Jesus is this living stone that was promised to David. First, the prophet Isaiah. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Jesus is the foundation. No disappointment, no shame, no disgrace will come to those who trust in him. Then from a psalm, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes. Builders would often throw away the stones they judged worthless. But Jesus is God's most important building block. Jesus holds everything together. Jesus holds together the lives of the early Christians who were rejected by the Jews, rejected by Rome, despised by society. And finally, Peter turns again to Isaiah. He will be a holy place. For both Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. It's either or. Believe in Jesus and he will be your help, or disbelieve and you'll stumble over him. Either Jesus is the foundation of your life, or you will fall. Jesus was rejected by his people. He didn't fit fit their plans, so they crucified him. But now, God has shown him to be the most important stone in the whole building. All Christians, no matter where we come from, are built together on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. This was an important message for Peter's audience, an early church made up of Jews and Gentiles. Though early on the church was solidly Jewish, God brought non-Jews into the family. And together, Jews and Gentiles and more, rich and poor, slave and free, male and female, refugee and citizen, shared in Jesus Christ. The rejected stone. The one that didn't fit anywhere else in people's plans turns out to be the only stone to fit in the most exalted place. And in this stone, we're being shaped into a spiritual house. As we come to him, God makes us into a spiritual house. That is, a temple of God. Attaching ourselves to the living stone brings us to life. Peter says, as you come to him, the living stone, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We're held together as a community by Jesus. We're connected to each other and to the greater Christian community through Jesus. It's not our ethnic identity. It's not our church background. It's not our political persuasion. It's not our tradition of worship that holds us together. It's not even being able to meet in the same room that binds us together. Jesus receives us, different as we are, and builds us into a house for himself. He's our foundation the model and pattern for our lives. Someone once told this parable. A certain man enlisted the help of a contractor to build a home. 
The man didn't want it to be some ordinary home. He wanted, he knew what he had wanted. He wanted a, a house that would be like no other. He described how he had already laid a foundation. It was deeper and stronger than the co- contractor thought possible or necessary. I mean, nothing would ever undermine or shake this house. But when the man described to the contractor the materials he wanted to use to build the house, the contractor was bewildered. There was no mention of mahogany or maple, no marble, no strong oak, no glossy tile. The man, who could afford the best of everything, wanted a house built out of bricks of mud and straw. He wanted the woodwork to be driftwood and salvaged lumber, the carpets to be woven rags and the windows crafted from broken glass. Despite the contractor's protests, the man wouldn't hear anything different. He showed the plans for thick mud brick walls and beautiful carvings from the wood. He revealed the rich patterns for the rag rugs and the glorious stained windows made from the broken glass. Follow my plans, said the man, and the house will be like no other. Built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, God intends to craft a spiritual house from the people he has redeemed. It's not the quality of the people that makes for the strength of this spiritual house. It's the quality of the foundation. The Apostle Paul offers an insight. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The scattered people to whom Peter is writing are an essential part of God's new temple. As God's new people, they are a spiritual house made up of living stones being built on the foundation of and into the likeness of Jesus Christ. I mean, the same is true of us. We too are part of God's spiritual house. God wants to work through us to impact the world. We're patterned after the likeness of Christ. Our connection to Jesus shapes our lives to put His kingdom on display. We are a light shining to the people in our neighborhoods. Despite our flaws, we are godly priests, chosen, royal, holy. We are God's new people. And as God's new people, we declare the praises of God who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We point others to the light of God that's spreading out into the world. There's a a series on Netflix called The Crown. It tells the story of Queen Elizabeth II. Early in the first season, the queen travels to... uh, uh, what was then known as Ceylon, and she's on a diplomatic tour. And she appoints her sister, Princess Margaret, to be her representative for minor royal engagements. Now, Princess Margaret believes that her sister lacks flair as a queen. And so she takes the opportunity to bring color and personality to the monarchy. She speaks her mind. She jokes with the press. She belittles other dignitaries. The Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, disapproves. 
and moves to relieve her of her duties as a representative. Churchill says, Your Royal Highness, when you appear in public performing official duties, you are not you. Princess Margaret objects. Of course I mean, she replies. But Churchill is clear. The crown, that's what they've come to see. Not you. Margaret was not appointed to represent herself. We do not represent ourselves. We live in the world as representatives of the light. Representatives of Christ. Through us, the world sees God's gracious presence and activity in all things. We act as Christ would act if he were us. We demonstrate patience when life is difficult. We're the first to stand against racism. Those who have material resources, look for for those who don't have. And those who listen well, connect to those who are weeping. The question that's always before us is, do we represent the house of Christ or are we simply being us? Are we using whatever gifts we've received from God to connect others to Christ? We are called to declare the praises of God, not our praises. Then, will be living stones built on the living stone, Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, we're nowhere people. But as we come to him, the living stone, the cornerstone of God's kingdom, we are repurposed for God's glory. God takes us as we are and in Christ makes us chosen, Royal, holy, God's new people built into a house that declares God's praises. A new people offering light to the world around us so that they can see Christ in the darkness. Let's pray together. Lord God, build our lives on Jesus Christ. Set us firmly on his foundation. Establish us, not as a people for ourselves, but as a people for you. Chosen, royal, holy. Establish us as a people of light in a world that's so desperately needs us to shine for your glory, for your praise, and for all that Christ is. We pray this in his name. Amen.